everybody likes a little spicy conversation. And that's exactly what we're going to have here on the Off Limits Podcast. I'm Colton Thigpen. I'll be your host. And what I'm doing is calling up my friends unexpectedly. They don't know that they're about to get a call. They definitely, they don't know that they're about to be on a podcast. And they don't know for sure that we're about to talk about the three topics and subjects that we're taught to never talk about. Religion, politics, and money. It's going to be a couple friends having a real conversation about real touchy subjects. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be entertaining. And I imagine a little funny. So, y'all sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Remember, change your perspective. Be open-minded. Have a conversation rather than an argument. Here we go. Robert Henderson once said, Insanity is doing the same things over and over and expecting something different to happen. Today we talked to Morgan Messenheimer, and she is an interesting conversation, one-of-a-kind person, awesome human, and she offers challenging perspectives, especially to, uh, I would say, the overcoming majority of uh, people, particularly in the agriculture industry. Morgan is one of the premier livestock photographers uh, in the nation. I've had the opportunity to work with her and get to know her, and it's just, uh, this is going to be an awesome time. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast session as much as I did. It is a great conversation, challenging views, challenging ideas. Growth comes from change. So challenge your mind challenge uh, your thoughts. Some, some things you'll agree with, some things you won't. However, it'll either make you more confident in what you believe in, or it'll challenge you in thinking, well, maybe uh, I don't know it all. So here we go. This is a great podcast with Morgan Messenheimer. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Well, this is fancy. Yeah, what's up? (laughs) So, to explain what's going on a little bit, you're not live, but this is being recorded. I started a podcast that is extremely impromptu. Oh. (laughs) And you are my host today. How about that? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Should yeah. I go get Zuma for this? Just let her. Yeah, yeah get ring Zuma on. Zuma, <laughs> Zuma is the puppy that I'm getting from the, the best dog breeder in the world. Oh, I don't know about the best dog breeder. Mostly just the girl who lucked out with a very cool dog. And decide. Yeah. Um, well, be a little barking here when I'm going to grab Zooms from Vega. <laughs> hey, Zuma dog. You have a podcasting dad, so you have to partake in this so we can get you acclimated to this life. All right, so you're you're gonna be a little thrown off by our topic today. Oh gosh. Okay. Lay and on I know me. I know you and I have talked about our my podcast idea, and it is not the podcast that you're thinking of. I actually started a new one. Oh snap! Okay. This one is called Off Limits. I call people impromptu, and we talk about the things that we're told to never talk about which is money, politics, and religion. Oh, goodness. Yep. I, I am going to be a little different on some of that, for sure. Yeah. Different is good. So we, uh, we're all about having uh, open minds to perspectives because, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And though we, oh, for sure. we think we're right, we may not always be. So instead of having uh, deranged arguments, we're here to have open conversations. Yeah, you bet. I'm for it. So I've gotten one of these podcasts down and it turned out awesome. And you are actually number two. And as impromptu as it is, I don't have a set list of questions. So is there anything related to those three topics that you want to just kick off a general thought on? Well, 
so well you you know this but one i'm not great with money so i don't know if i am your go-to girl on that i do know that in terms of money i there's certain elements within our industry where you know there are some humans who are better at paying than others and you know All right, and so, instead so of- define define our industry oh so in the livestock realm so i work in a little bit of the show world also a little bit of the seed stock world um i really don't do any work in the commercial industry um so i guess kind of the where the show and seed stock world kind of meet higher in cattle yeah 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 and you know when i lived in you know I, I mean, I just turned 30 and I've been doing this since I graduated college. And so I've got a couple of years under my belt and it's pretty crazy how much you learn, you know? Yeah. Right out like. the gate. Oh, well, you know, there's, you know, trying to become more business savvy. Right. So, and in that process, you and know, for those of y'all who don't know, Morgan is a livestock photographer, but probably in the top one percent in the united states and does an outstanding job and this is her lifestyle profession sole source of income and uh she rocks it so she's being a little humble with the doesn't know how to handle things but go (laughs) ahead well thank you that's very kind um but yeah so you know i I, i'm a little I'm not naturally business savvy I'm definitely more of a like relationships person so you know I've always loved working for people who were friends who I just loved to be around and when I was younger uh, some of those people happen to be people who maybe weren't the most consistent with um, paying their bills but then again that doesn't make them a bad human in any way shape or form it's just you know it's one of those habit things or lifestyle things that some people are naturally a little better at than others. And over time I've. Well, and and did you find that um, dealing with friends is kind of like dealing with family? It's almost harder. Oh Um, yeah. Yes. Well, yes and no. Like it's a finding and you kind of have to just find the balance with each client on that level too. Um, there's definitely been clients where I've been way too attached to them as friends and it makes the business side way tougher Um, because you know how it is like when you have friends you put expectations on what your friendship like how you treat your friends and back and forth you know and um, that's not always fair you know when it's business it's business right and so when those lines get blurred it can get dicey yeah. And when it's your friend, you might be like, oh, yeah, you can pay me in six months. That's fine. But then <laughs> yeah. you're waiting a year or you've got bills sitting out from seven years ago, you know. So and God, as a friend, just pay your friends, <laughs> pay your friends. And, and, you know, I was always uh, I and I still am. If if you're ever in a position where. You know, maybe money is tight until the sale is done. Just be forward about it up front. Um, or there are times where I'm like, hey, you know, if you can't pay this all in one, that's fine. Want to do a payment program like just every month, you know, put 100, 250 bucks at it till we get it handled, you know. So, I try to be. Um, on, on the payment deal in our industry, something I have found is that can also be dangerous. However, I've never had somebody that needed a payment plan that offered some money up front on their own um, that didn't follow through with what they're saying. However, yeah. almost every time where somebody had nothing to put up up front, then it was, I'll get you the money in two weeks and two weeks, turn in another two weeks and two weeks, turn another two weeks and two yeah. months. Yeah. Yeah, I had one time where that didn't work, but at the end of the day, it, it was one of those, um, oh gosh, this is such a modern thing that you hear people talk about this all the time and it almost gets annoying, but it was like a toxic relationship anyway, so I kind of <laughs> was just like, you know, that's fine. I will just roll on and 
sure. all of that. But like I said, money is the thing that I'm probably the least opinionated about. It's, um, I, you know, I'm very fortunate that what I do, um, I'm able to make good money at. I'm not rolling in it. I'm not, you know, gonna go build me a mansion anytime soon or anything right. of that nature. But I make a really comfortable living and I really enjoy what I do. And that's kind of, as long as I feel like I can live the general life I'm wanting to live and be happy in it, money's good enough for me. I'm When talking about money and business, my strategy, surround myself with people better than me in these areas. And so my first call is to Ranch House Designs. Their agricultural-based marketing team is outstanding. From advertising, marketing, social media accounts, they can manage it all. And guys, they can take your program and your business and your profit margins to levels that you've never reached. The exposure that they give you, the brand that they can build you is second to none. Let them do your website design. Let them do your social media accounts. Uh, let them give you an email blast. Every single one of those has paid dividends for me. I highly recommend them. Go give them a call or visit them at ranchhousedesigns.com. Again, that's www.ranchhousedesigns.com. not um overly money savvy or overly money it's not your your source of drive or happiness yeah no as now of course you have to have it to a certain degree sure i feel like you know um i think isn't there a study or something and i wish i could actually quote it and have a quality source for you on this but um i feel like there is a study that said that Happiness is irrelevant. People who make seventy-five thousand to a billion, there's no difference in happiness at that point, you know. But like yeah. getting to a certain level of stability does correlate. I can see that, and and in talking, listening, studying, reading about uh, wealthy people, they say that they feel like all money is is a magnifier. Yeah, they were happy before they got money and now they're more happy with money and then they also have a large amount of wealthy friends that are miserable but they were also unhappy before they had money right yeah that totally makes sense as well yeah do you have any general thoughts on (laughs) the uh politics or religion um of course so i am very different within the livestock community because of both of those topics. So I, I guess I've never really delved into if I consider myself an atheist or an agnostic, but I'm somewhere in that. Okay. Realm. So what would be the difference? Um, I think, uh, and please don't quote me on this. I would have to look up the definition. Um, but an agnostic is kind of like, I don't know at all. Um, and an atheist is more of, I really don't think there is anything. Uh, gotcha. So like, atheist would be, I know that there is no God that didn't yeah. happen. And agnostic would be like, I'm, I'm leaning towards that, but I'm really not having yeah. a definitive stance on it. Yeah. And I will have to look that up because I obviously don't want to say the wrong thing or say something that isn't accurate but that is to my understanding the general gist and I kind of I guess I don't even know where I fall exactly in that realm um but I do know that almost almost all of my favorite humans in the world are religious to in some way and I love people who are, and I respect them and have a different opinion, but it doesn't, um, you know, for example, so the guy I'm dating, Chris, he's a really great person and he's actually Lutheran, um, very religious, but at the end of the day, we have the same goals of like the kinds of human we want to be. Sure. And 
there are times when he might fall back on choosing to do something we would consider good because that's what the Bible helps him to see. And for me, you know, I kind of make those choices because I just feel like that's the right thing to do. And it's not because I have, you know, a religious background or priest or book or anything that tells me that. Um, but yes, that was going to be, that was going to be my question is, is what would be your, your source that created this ideal of what is good? I just, general human kindness um and of course i am very far from being the most kind human or anything um but it's, it's you know, first but that's with every woman every woman has spurts of kindness and spurts of the opposite yeah i for sure have that um <laughs> i've always made the joke that i can be the nicest c word that you'll ever meet you know because <laughs> just totally depends on the situation um but yeah so it's it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of, um, I've actually had people in the business find that out about me because I'm very open about it. Like I, I don't ever try to pretend to be someone or something that I'm not. Sure, um, sure. I don't, I don't want fake friends. And so I've always just found if you're pretty straightforward, the people who choose to see past a major difference like that are generally the ones I'd rather have on my team anyways. Right. Um, but I have literally had, like, I can think of one guy in particular. Um, he's an older gentleman in the seed stock world. And he would just went around trying to tell everybody he could who would ever bring me up in any way. He's like, oh, you shouldn't work with her. She's an atheist. <laughs> I'm like, I had no idea that correlated to my quality of work or how it is to work with me on a business setting. But okay. Right, um, right. But for the most part, people know that we have a difference, but at the end of the day, it's one of those things where there's a lot of mutual respect. And Sure. So I, I have a question. Have you, um, so I, I feel like most people are tied to the religion they're tied to because that is how they were raised. Yes, 100%. And, yeah. And then if they change, it's because they found something out for themselves that they deem to be true or more true or whatever. So is, were you raised in a way that um, developed that or is this something you found out about? <laughs> so I come from a, a Methodist family. Um, my mom's side of the family is Methodist and my granddad and grandma who really helped to raise me were <laughs> very religious um <laughs> my mom is a very interesting um blend of religious and she is she is religious to the point that she doesn't believe that god could ever condemn somebody to hell right. she really believes in a so in all loving god um and with that the church was never her fault like she is religious she believes in god but she never really found a home at church mm. um i still went to sunday school probably up through the somewhere in the third fifth grade area um almost every sunday but i never remember a single time that i was excited to go Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think most, I would say there's a lot of kids in that boat, maybe. Probably, yeah. And um, I also remember just not understanding from a very early age why I was supposed to believe what seemed like very fictitious stories as a way to scare me. Um, for whatever <laughs> reason, my brain is very logical on certain things and what ended up being interesting is later in life after um, my dad died when I was 21 who I did not really have a relationship with him and I had to go to Vegas to help handle his estate and um, was around his siblings yeah. and it so turns out that nobody in their family is religious 
Um, I never knew that. Um, so I would say there's probably some genetic variant of a way that my brain works that is just so based in what I perceive as logical. Right. Um, then that's why I, I, I genuinely can never really remember ever believing. Right. Even when I was little. Right. Um, even though there's been times I really wanted to. Um, because I know there's a lot of comfort and general understanding that can come from it. That's really great for some people. And I've always been just a little bit jealous of that. Yeah. 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 And that's, and not, not changing the subject off of your story, but just to share mine a little bit to, for a comparison would be, I grew up in a church where. Uh, my grandpa was an elder and extremely involved in the church. And, you know, we went Sunday morning Bible class, Sunday morning church, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening. Um, That's a lot. Yeah. And, but my, my parents did it in a way that was, you know, anything we did was all in. So, mm-hmm. So it wasn't out of their character. If we were going to do church, we were going to do all of it. Yep. And so I never had a, a bad taste in my mouth. Now, I played a lot of tic-tac-toe in church, hangman, <laughs> uh, took naps, and my grandma reached over and flicked me in the back of the head. <laughs> and I've never, I've never, I've never despised or not liked anything about the way I was raised. I always thought I was raised perfect. And that's a big attribute to my parents and my family. Mm -hmm. But I was, so in Christianity, there's, there, I think is a fine line between religious and spiritual. And I was more religious in doing the things that a good Christian boy was supposed to do, believing the things that a good Christian boy was supposed to believe, going the places a good Christian boy was supposed to go for no other reason than that's what I was taught to do. Right. And then it wasn't until I was in my 20s um, that I began to see that that's not really – how I interpreted what I would read for myself in the Bible. Cause I never yeah. really read it. I would read a random verse somebody shared with me, but I'd never read it for myself. Yeah. So at some point in my twenties, um, really when I was living in Wharton, working for V8, I joined a church there. That's kind of out of my comfort zone, but a friend of mine, um, was kind of part of that church and, so I would kind of sneak in, didn't really want to be that involved, but it was a non-denominational and I was raised in a denomination. So it was like, mm-hmm. that's a no, which so, side point, I never really jive with all the different religions within a religion, you know, like right. Christianity yeah. and then they get so divisive, but yes, yeah. out, outside of that, I began to read that it wasn't necessarily what you do. Um, it's that you believe in Jesus. And once you believe in him, then you uh, have a relationship with him and you desire his desires rather than um, rather than following a set of rules, right? That's kind of right. what he did. There was rules set then he sacrificed himself for everybody after that, where they didn't have to follow the rules. They just had to follow his, uh, lead, I guess. And, and, um, then just live as he said to. So, um, as that relationship is formed, it's been a lot better for me because when, when you're just trying to follow rules, 
what you want to constantly do is break them. But when it's actually <laughs> the desire, it's wired like us. Right. <laughs> but when you actually desire what, um, if you let Jesus in your life and let his desires become yours, then what you, if you believe that he is true and good and love, then those become your desires rather than, it's kind of like you don't change poverty by focusing on poverty. You change poverty by focusing on how to become prosperous. Yeah. And so that has really helped me. And I don't know if I, that was a good explanation or a ramble, but that was kind of my story leading up to this point. We're very similar in age and it's just fun to see uh, the different paths and journeys that we have. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, I, I guess an, an, an question I would naturally want to pose to you from that would be, would, how would you live your life and what values would you hold if nobody, if religion wasn't a thing and you weren't, um, being told that, you know, to align yourself with him, do you think there are things about the way you live, live your life that would be different? Would they be somewhat the same, you know, as, like, as I'm somebody who, you know, that doesn't, you know, follow that path, but you mm-hmm. and I actually end up on similar wavelengths on a lot of things. Yeah. So have you ever thought about... Have you ever tried to challenge yourself to think about that? I absolutely loved this question. I wanted to give Morgan a high five for asking it. Now, I fumbled and bumbled around and kind of didn't articulate my answer to the best of my ability, I don't think. But man, it is such a thought-provoking question, and I encourage you uh whether you think about it, write it down or whatever, you answer this question for yourself because, man, it was extremely challenging for me and I just can't thank Morgan enough for asking this question during the conversation. Yeah, for sure. And and it's hard because... So I'm at a point now that that I would say I believe in a way that I know that I know and not saying that I'd never have doubts and for sure um, uh, go through moments of doubt or have doubted the whole thing um, altogether. But, okay, just for, for you, imagine for a moment that this God thing is for sure real mm-hmm. and, that, and that Jesus did come and just change everything and that there's a Holy Spirit that is Jesus that can live inside of you, like in the form of your conscience. If all that is real and like, you know, for me, like I said, it's all in and and faith, true faith comes when not actually seeing. Once Mm -hmm. you take that leap of faith and believe it, then you get introduced to the person of Jesus and, and I can't I can't not live that way because I've had experiences in my life where I know that I know. Um, But as I try to, as I try to, and and I think asking certain why questions that you truly can never um, like sit down and prove an answer to are dangerous. uh, Mm -hmm for mental health on, you know, why did this happen to this person? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But I I think, you you know, more to answer your question is I would, uh, there's, I, I have a heavy conscience, but that's because of the way I was raised. I was always either scared of, I didn't do things because I was scared my mom was going to find out and beat me (laughs) (laughs) or because I didn't feel like God thought they were the right thing to do. And so so that's really the only more that I have ever known. Yeah. Uh, So I don't know what it would be like to live 
outside of that. And I don't know if you can be rewired to live outside of that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, but I guess I can, I genuinely believe that say I, if I were a believer, I honestly don't think I would be that different as a person because from the knowledge that I have and the being raised, you know, around it and having so many friends who are that way, I've always taken the very core message of the, of, you know, the Christian religion and other religions, but especially the Christian one. And this is one of my favorite things about it is that, you know, it's a loving God and it is not anybody's place to judge, but his. And Mm. so I don't think, say I were to become religious, I still think I would just try to do right by my people and be good to my people and surround myself with people I enjoy being around. And I don't think it, um, I think it would actually, if anything, make me a more negative person and a person, I, I, I always... I used to be a lot angrier when I was involved more with the Christian religion because I had a specific person to blame for things like the Holocaust or genocide or all of these wonderful kids in the world who don't have enough food or who are in abusive homes and all the things that no none of us can really understand why there's such a large amount of terrible things. Right. But there's also obviously there's a lot of great things on the other side of that. But still, like those things, I get angrier about those things when there's somebody to blame. And the way I go through my life is more of a, you know, realistic. Well, I guess not realistic isn't you know because it is totally real to you. So that's not the best word. But when you know that it's like there's just we are to some degree animals and everybody makes mistakes, even the best people. So of course, even the people who might not be trying to live their best lives are going to make even worse mistakes. And there's always chance and fate and just, you know, I have less, I I don't have a singular entity to put blame on for all of the bad things. And so I'm a lot like, it helps me go through my life a little lighter. Yeah. If that's fair. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's such a challenging thought. And it's funny you bring up Holocaust because I just read a book on, um, that was narrated by a Holocaust survivor. Oh, really? Yeah. But it's funny because I've never in my life been like going, learning about it in history and stuff it was so far-fetched to me to wrap my mind around as being that it really happened Mm -hmm. that I didn't connect with it enough to want to learn about it yeah now that I realize that not only did it happen but it happened in a short enough time ago that that some people are still alive yeah blows my mind yeah this this was probably one of the top two books I've ever read and it was but it's actually um this lady's uh faith journey through the holocaust and her family and she actually wasn't a jew she lived in holland and she uh like was part of the underground deal hiding jews Mm -hmm. from and ended up getting arrested but anyway it was called the hiding place by Corey ten boom and it was awesome read highly suggest anybody reading that but Oh yeah, I'll have to look into that. Um, fun, challenging uh, uh, topic for sure. Yeah. So, well, you know, also I was uh, so I grew up back in Maryland, so yeah. that's also a whole different deal that also correlates to a lot of my quirks because I grew up in such a place where not everybody is alike in Maryland. Like, there's a lot of diversity. You know, like I graduated with white rednecks black kids asian kids you know indian kids like there's and i wasn't i was even in one of the least diverse schools in maryland but there's still all kinds of people there were different religions um all sorts of 
diversity. And so that also always kept me a little more open-minded, I think. Mm. Um, But with that, we also got to um, go to DC for a lot of field trips growing up. And I will never forget the way I felt going through the Holocaust Museum. Yeah. If you're ever in DC, that is absolutely a museum that is worth going to and making sure you have the time to go through it the way you want to. Yeah. Sure. It, um, it's pretty intense. Um, but yep. Neat. I didn't know that there was one. I've never, unlike a lot of people, I've never had the uh, desire to go to Washington, D.C. Yeah. Yeah. Well, D.C. Um, has a lot of things that I think would irritate every one of us, but it also has a lot of really, really cool history. Um, and that and art. And, you know, I love art and I'm artsy. And so we would actually in high school for fun, go to <laughs> look at some museums and look at Andy Warhol's and what should be a painter. Um, right. Anyways, um, you know, so that's just a little. Isn't you know, that what you majored in? in... Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that story. Um, I have been live I, I livestock judge since I was eight years old and I was so fortunate I Chris Mullinex was my coach since I was eight and um we really clicked and I started traveling nationally at 10 for judging stuff and so I always knew I was I told my family I was going to go to Butler Community College when I was nine years old um and there was about a two-month period where I considered going to art school instead And I called Chris during that time and he was like, absolutely not. We have a fine arts program here at Butler. I'm setting you up with every teacher (laughs) in a meeting. And um, at that time, I thought I was going to be an elementary school art teacher because I was helping to coach the judging team back home. And I loved working with like that junior age kid, you know, so like the third and fifth grade where they just start to learn sarcasm, but they're not tweens with all these opinions, you know? Um, And I really love that age group. So I thought I was gonna be an elementary school art teacher. And so my freshman year at Butler, I majored in fine arts. And, uh, Then I switched it my sophomore year after a slightly to moderately to very inebriated um, evening with my best friend. And we would look at sale catalogs every night on this couch in a place called 210. Any Butler folks, they know what I'm talking about. 210 was where it was at. And it is uh, the square black and white exposure catalog, which is a sale that Griswolds and Collins used to have together in Stillwater um and we were looking through every page talking about you know you like this one because of this but I like this one because of this you know but look at this and I would say things like well hey think about it if you kicked her hind leg back another two inches think about what it would do to like her hook bone placement which would do this to her top line you shift her weight forward here it would do this and my best friend he was just like why don't you just do this (laughs) I was like yeah take big foot in catalogs yeah, yeah. And he, he was like, why don't you just do what Christy does? And yeah. I was like, oh, I could do art and cows. Oh. And um, Joellen Rappin was the only person I knew at the time who had access to um, high quality camera equipment. And she helped me and um, helped me get my first camera. She showed me settings. Um, and that is kind of Shout out to Joellen. She's one of the yes. other in the, the top percentage of the United States that I'd recommend. Yes. And Joe is um, very talented, but she's also really, really great um, with kids at livestock shows. And I've always really respected how much she cares about kids and how many people um, at stock shows she really cares about. And oh, yeah. Her face lights get the shot of the kid in the ring it's awesome yes yes so shout out joan and joe raffman yeah we don't have to give joe any love oh you gotta give joe some love he is fun <laughs> as speak, speaking of that crew um one person that i've talked to recently compared uh that wasn't completely sure on religion either but thought that there was going to be 
uh, a judgment and he <laughs> asked him, well, who's going to do the judging? And he says, I don't know. I hope it's like the uh, 2017 Battle of the Cattle and we just show up and it's some mystery judge like <laughs> Brandon Callis. Brandon Callis, you'd be good. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I got to tell Brandon he's on the podcast as God. That's, yeah, be like, um, you're going to be our Morgan Freeman. And, yeah, uh, that's exactly what I said. Yeah, we're going to have to work on our voice a little bit, just really to get a little more Freeman vibes. Yeah. But, Let's uh, take some twang out of there, Callis. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I like that. All right, so we got on to Washington, D.C. Let's hit our last topic. Politics. Time of politics. Yeah, so I guess I, um, to be Let me honest, get, are you different here again? <laughs> yeah, most of. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, against uh, most people in our community, I just straight up call myself a liberal because comparatively, I really feel way more that way. Okay, then so when I delve into it, I'm really more moderate. Compared to a livestock enthusiast, you're a liberal. Compared to Nancy Pelosi, not so much oh oh god yeah uh I, well <laughs> there's it's all um case by case for me on yep. that and i which, which is how i wish it was because i think case by case is uh probably the more accurate way to do it rather than agenda by agenda yes 100 percent. but and of course that's the issue with the two party politics is to get anything done it I have a lot of issues basically with things I wish could go better and I don't need to delve into that but I will just say that I am socially very liberal um I'm kind of one of those people where it's like I'm not going to judge you I hope you don't judge me I want the best for you I want you to be happy within reason and um, I don't want there to be federal or state rules that inhibit a large portion of the population's right to happiness. So socially, I tend to be more liberal and I tend to be like in that whole you do you boo category. Fiscally mm-hmm. um, is where I am kind of not even sure where to put it. Um I'm kind of just, it's case by case. It's a lot of times I just feel like the right answer is probably in the middle. Right. Thing is I'm socially liberal. I am fiscally. I don't know what to call me generally somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And and I think uh, there's probably a fair amount of people that fall in that same category, honestly. Oh, I, I really believe, you know, um, one of my dearest friends on the planet is Austin Langmire. And we have, you know, oh my gosh, one day I should record one of our phone calls while we're both driving down the road, heading somewhere to work. And because he is definitely more conservative and I'm a little more liberal, but we almost always can like find a common ground place in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I just wish there was a little, um, more of that as a whole in the government system and just amongst friends and the country you know just in general like i really feel like you know we have friends who make liberals out to be the bad guys and i've got friends who make conservatives out to be the bad guys and the reality is neither one of us is the bad guy and um yeah my my on that is I don't, I don't want to be defined by a political party. Right. Um, people say, are you a Democrat or you're a Republican? I'm neither just because that's not who I am. Right. I am me. And sometimes I vote this way. Yep. I love, well, you know, I, I love that. Um, and I wish there was perhaps a little bit more of that. And within ag, too, the, the conversations you can have are get even more interesting because there are certain advantages to having um, Democratic presidents for ag, and there are certain advantages to having conservative presidents for ag. You know, in terms right. of regulation and policy, traditionally, ag folks 
like conservative presidents. And then in terms of pricing and especially farmers, you know, um, you know, they might prefer, you know, mm-hmm. have more money under some liberal presidents. So yeah. it's, it's definitely um, not black and white. I don't right. And I, I, uh, I just, my biggest beef with politics is our, the source of information that we're fed. Oh, I, yeah. I don't think you can get an accurate source of information, an unbiased source of information. And that's why I'm so turned off by it. Cause why am I going to, why are you asking me to define myself by something that you're lying to me about? I mean, right. And so I don't being that I, I shut myself off from um, political news sources. I don't have the most uh, strong opinion on it other than I think if you're diehard into it one way or another, then you probably are defining yourself a little too heavily among. And you're probably uh, missing uh, perspective and information you know, if you're really feeling extreme one way or the other, you're not probably getting well-versed from the opposing viewpoint. So you probably don't have a hundred percent understanding of the situation to begin with. Do you think in 20 years that we'll still have a two-party system? I don't know. It seems like we've had it for so long and the amount of strong third parties we've had have been so very, very, very few that it seems unrealistic to expect otherwise Um, but I also feel like right now people want something different and I would not not only that is people I think right now more than ever you know just coming out of uh, what we hope coming out of the pandemic would be our world can be turned upside down and it it is you still keep living, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So things can change that have all seemingly always been, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many great things that I think are going to come out of the pandemic and certain, not all, obviously some things are not ideal. Um, There's been a lot of great humans who have lost their lives and a lot of kids who missed really good opportunities at school, et cetera. But, you know, things like some employ, like major employers recognizing that, you know, their employees can be productive from home, you know, so that's really exciting. That's a good thing from the pandemic. And I hope, you know, people got to spend time with their family that they might not have been able to. And I think I, you know, I hope that I know for me, it was, it didn't change my life drastically um but over the last year or so i've found a new respect for home as well mm-hmm. um and being home and um not having to be go 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 100% of the time i mean let's be real it's still 85 to 90% of the time but it's not 100 you know That's right. so you know as we get out of the pandemic, I, I do think there will be some good things that come from it. And of course, it was not ideal. You're going to offer encouragement to anybody uh, listening. What would that encouragement be? If you are different than those around you, that's okay. Um, and if you ever run into somebody who's different than you, you know, maybe encourage them, maybe be open-minded to their perspectives. And I would say that I know a lot of my friends have mentioned that they're glad that I'm there to give them a different perspective because there aren't a lot of people within our industry who are different or those who are maybe aren't vocal about it. And so I think, um, I wouldn't assume that everybody around you thinks the same way. There's a lot of people who think differently. They just might not feel comfortable to talk about it. Yeah. And if you ever want to facilitate those conversations, I think you might be surprised by what you find. For sure. And that's kind of the theme of this, uh, 
podcast is conversations rather than arguments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Um, yes, ma'am. Well, I surely enjoyed it. And guys, y'all, uh, how can they reach out to you and connect with you um, to it for any photography needs or to see your work or just to visit with you? Yeah. Um, to be completely frank and upfront, uh, the last few years, I've kind of become more of a hermit. So getting a hold of me can be a little challenging depending on my mood, kind of where I'm at. But um, if you want to see she, past- she's, she's talking about uh, business-wise, right? Yes. Because you have yes. clients, you do such a job, you have return customers, and you stay yes. busy. Yes. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I a few years ago, I was really rocking and rolling in the social thing. And I just realized that uh, for me personally, I'm a lot happier when I don't measure things by likes awesome. or what have you. But anyways, but with that, yeah, I also have the world's best clients and I have such loyal clients that, and they keep me so busy that it's it can be hard to get new people on the schedule. It doesn't mean I can't. I have actually got a few wonderful new clients in on the schedule last year. Um, so just kind of depends on the situation, location, timing, et cetera. You know, but if you want to find me, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Um, my The business page is at ML Meisenheimer on Facebook. And it's at Morgan Lee Meisenheimer on Instagram. Please tell my <laughs> yeah so meisenheimer aka the most german last name ever that is m is in mom e i s e n is in nancy h e i m is in mom e r so Perfect. i uh, may or may not have learned that in a cheer by syllable when i was five and having to learn how to spell that bad boy so yeah well guys <laughs> We appreciate having Morgan on. And if y'all have a chance and want to look at some great livestock photography or Vega or Zuma, they're also <laughs> uh, picture famous now and they've had their portraits done. So um, y'all get on and follow her. Morgan, thank you so much for your honesty and for the fun conversation. Well, thanks for including me, Big Ben. I feel that's pretty awesome. And I appreciate it. You betcha. All right. Well, this is another episode of off limits guys if y'all would subscribe like share and tell your friends and maybe we'll be calling you all right have a good one see ya